the third Sunday after Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong and nothing is holy, multiply your mercy on us, that with you as our ruler and guide we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the third Sunday after Trinity is from the book of the prophet Micah, the seventh chapter. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. This is the word of the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. He has redeemed my soul in peace. The epistle is from St. Paul's first letter to St. Timothy, the first chapter. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents 
than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. This is the Gospel of the Lord. We confess our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. 
and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Jesus, sinners, doth receive. Oh, may all this saying ponder. Who in sin's delusions live, and from God and heaven wander. Here is hope for all who grieve. Jesus, sinners, doth receive. We deserve but grief and shame, yet his words rich grace revealing. Pardon, peace, and life proclaim. Here our ills have perfect healing. Firmly in these words believe, Jesus sinners doth receive. Sheep that from the fold did stray, no true shepherd e'er forsaketh. Weary souls that lost their way, Christ the shepherd gently taketh in his arms that they may live. Jesus sinners doth receive. I, a sinner, come to thee with a penitent confession. Saviour, mercy show to me, grant for all my sins remission. Let these words my soul relieve, Jesus sinners doth receive. Oh, how blessed it is to know were as scarlet my transgression, it shall be as white as snow by thy blood and bitter passion. 
For these words I now believe, See, Jesus sinners doth receive. Now my conscience is at peace, From the law I stand acquitted, Christ hath purchased my release, and my every sin remitted. Not remains my soul to grieve, Jesus sinners doth receive. Jesus sinners doth receive, also I have been forgiven. And when I this earth must leave, I shall find an open heaven. Dying still to him I cleave, Jesus sinners doth receive. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. This is the word of the Lord. It is important to note two things about this 15th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel. First, it is important to note that these three seemingly separate parables are all, in fact, the very same parable. Like a mathematical formula that works no matter what values you substitute, this parable is singular. The names and the settings may change, but the formula does not. Jesus tells three stories, uses three illustrations, but only preaches one parable. Second, Though the tax collectors and sinners are the ones congregating to hear Jesus preach, it is to the grumbling Pharisees that this parable is directed. This does not mean that Jesus stops up the ears of the throng, but it does mean that Jesus speaks a pointed parable as retort against the complaints of the Pharisees. Both of these important points can be summarized in considering the meaning of this parable. The entire 15th chapter can be summed up like this. It is as if Jesus says to the Pharisees, Of course I receive sinners and eat with them. Why do you not? What did you think the Christ would do? Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
If these summary quotes sound familiar, which they ought, it is because they are not pastor's cliff notes of what Jesus says. They are the words of Jesus himself. You see, St. Luke is inordinately concerned in his gospel with Jesus' role as sung forth in Mary's Magnificat. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. The parable that Jesus speaks today is just one occurrence within a gospel filled with altercations between Jesus and the Pharisees, in which Jesus proclaims the same refrain repeatedly. The Christ seeks the lost. If tax collectors and sinners are abhorred because they are considered the lost, then it should be expected that the Christ would go to those instead of the haughty and the proud who fill themselves up not with the word of God, but with sumptuous feasts of pride. Ironically, it is the unclean who wish to be clean and therefore to seek the Christ, while the clean who remained so for the Lord reject him who was their reason for pursuing self-righteousness in the first place. The parable is ridiculous, of course, and that is the point. Love is ridiculous. Funnily enough, in the modern age, a culture that touts the slogan, love is love, not only does not recognize love nor separate it from mere attraction, but also calls true love just that. Ridiculous. How true. Love is ridiculous. What other than love could cause Romeo to swallow poison? What other than love could motivate Princess Buttercup to stab herself through the heart on her wedding night? What other than love could motivate Roxanne to love Cyrano de Bergerac despite his hideous ugliness? Are these overly dramatic acts? Absolutely. Are they ridiculous? Quite so. But are they sincere? They are. And that, dear Christians, is the allure. What woman does not swoon at the idea of a man who would love her so much that he would do the ridiculous to confess his love for her? And what man does not puff out his chest at the idea of a masculine hero who performs ridiculous feats of strength and chivalry to win the favor or to protect the honor of his beloved. Why does a shepherd go after one foolish sheep? Because he loves all 100, even that obnoxious wanderer. Why does a woman sweep her house for one penny and then spend $10,000 to celebrate its return? 
because she loves that penny so dearly? Why does a father honor the brash requests of a sinful youth only to welcome him back with tears of joy and a feast of celebration? Because he so loves that son. Why does Jesus come to seek and to save the lost? Why does he care about finding the scraggly sheep that wandered when those left are prize winners? Why does he not simply take the nine pennies and forget about the one in the couch cushions? Will it not turn up eventually on its own? The Son of God does not care about the difference between the prize-winning sheep and the scraggly sheep. They are all sheep to him, and he loves them all the same. So he will work to ensure the flock never loses her wanderers. The Christ does not care about wealth. It is not the worth of the pennies that matter, but that all the pennies are together. The jingling of nine pennies lacks the oomph that ten has. So he will sweep and sweep until he finds that last penny and will celebrate because he found it, even if it is dirty and covered in grime and couch lint. St. Matthew records, But when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. The lost sheep cannot find their way back unless the shepherd retrieves them. The penny will not make its own way out of its hiding place. Not even the sinful younger son will come home by himself. There must be action on the part of another. The sheep that wander have no shepherd, so the shepherd must go to them. The penny that is lost must be found by the searching efforts of another. The woman must sweep and overturn her house to locate that penny. It will not jump out for her. The son must hit rock bottom and be driven home by a guilty conscience, by the cruelty of his neighbors, and, most importantly, by the prayers on his behalf offered by a father who has never stopped mourning since his son left. Jesus loves. So Jesus has compassion. So Jesus is ridiculous, but sincere. But who cares if he is ridiculous? Can he not do as he wishes? Does his ridiculous behavior do you wrong? Absolutely not. In fact, you want him to be the most ridiculous, incomprehensible, infatuated man alive. Because that guarantees innumerable blessings to you. This is the point Jesus makes with this parable and with each of the three stories in it. He seeks the lost. He desires to bring healing to the sick. He has come to save the unsavory. It does not end with sheep and pennies and sons. It begins there. Where it ends is with a ridiculous death 
and with a glorious resurrection. It ends with the greatest search and rescue mission of all time, for all the lost, which is all. This parable highlights that while the Pharisees and their ilk may very well be the prize-winning sheep who stayed, or the shiny new pennies that were not lost, they are still like the older brother. They are without a shepherd, too. They are prideful, and thus they are lost in their own way. They pit themselves against the tax collectors and sinners, as if they, too, do not require a shepherd to care for them, or a woman to protect them from being lost, or a father to point out that they should love the tax collectors and sinners, too, and desire that they be made holy like the Pharisees consider themselves to be. All are lost, because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that does not stop Christ from seeking them, and neither does it stop him from offering forgiveness. The Pharisees are true pragmatic. They're not romantic enough, so they despise the ridiculous things God does for those he loves. But they forget Jesus does not find tax collectors and sinners or Pharisees and scribes. He finds his sheep, his coins, and his sons, mingling with pigs and covered in mud. He finds you starving and desperate for the worthless pods that Satan feeds to his demons and to the world. He comes to bring you to your senses promising that he will take all the abuse and all the punishment for you. He welcomes sinners home as valued members of his family, despite the objections from without and from within. The father's statement is a summary of the whole ridiculous parable. Your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. This is the essence of the faith. Jesus saves sinners. Ridiculous? Yes. But also sincere and true and good. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God and our Lord Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For the Spirit of God to remain with his church, to defend and protect her from adversity, to preserve her from heresy and schism, and to be the breath of divine bellows that stokes the fire of faith and pure confession, let us pray to the Lord. For the people of Christendom, that residing within the Holy Catholic Church, they would inhabit a city of God apart from the world, for steadfastness and boldness in word and deed for hearts of martyrs, that all Christians would remain faithful amidst every assault of the world, even unto death. And for all who bear the holy orders of the ministry, let us pray to the Lord. In thanksgiving for regeneration and rebirth in the Spirit, for an increase of piety, love, and devotion among those reborn, 
and for faithful lives that live upon the way, seeking to give all in service of the gospel. Let us pray to the Lord. In thanksgiving for the work of the Lord to defend life within this country, for compassion and appropriate care to all mothers with children, for true men to defend the defenseless and honor their duties as father, and for further reform within our land to honor the dignity of the person, let us pray to the Lord. For this country and all within her who serve to govern and to rule, for those who strive to preserve and uphold law and good order, for those who defend this country and her people, for kindness and compassion among the peoples, for peace and prosperity, and for concord among all nations, let us pray to the Lord. For deliverance from every sin, error, evil, discord, and strife, for an end to violence, war, bloodshed, sedition, and rebellion, for the work of God to chasten and to heal, for the conversion of the pagans and the return of the apostate, for the destruction of the proud and the upright and blessing to the meek, and for eyes to see and hearts to receive the love of God, let us pray to the Lord. For all enemies and persecutors of the faith, for mercy to the sinful, for provision to the innocent, the widow, the orphan, the homeless, the abused, and the needy, and for the comforter to heal the downtrodden, raise up the brokenhearted, and dispel the poisons of resentment, hatred, and scorn among the people of God, let us pray to the Lord. For the healing touch of Christ, as the Spirit so delivers, for the preservation of the body against all trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, for our brethren Sherry, Pam, Shelley, Doug, Shirley, Sean, Brooks, Pam, Sherry, and Nancy, for comfort to those who mourn, and in thanksgiving for all new life and bodily preservation in the new hope of our Lord's return, let us pray to the Lord. Almighty Father, everlasting God and Lord, we sing with tongues of angels that you are holy. Though we cannot now comprehend you, grant us to know you. Though we cannot now see you, grant us to see your work. Though we cannot now gaze into the depths of your mind and will, grant us to gaze into the depths of your love. For you have given us your only begotten Son and his Holy Spirit, that through them we would be united to you even as we are pilgrims in this life. Joined to Christ, let us be branches of one vine united in the spirit of peace, love, joy, and compassion, and bearing these fruits as a living body held together by the bonds of Christ's own flesh and blood. Just as this bread is gathered together from countless scattered grains and the wine from many grapes, so may your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom by this same Jesus Christ our Lord, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.